new things have arrived. I pray the Lord be with you. Let's pray. God, uh, we've been waiting for you. We continue to wait, which means uh, we've oriented our desire and our attention and placed that in your direction. We hope, we hope without despair that you will speak and move. And we pray now that you would do that through your word, through your spirit that is among us and within us, uh, and through this and through the preaching, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, friends, uh, we, we're we're preaching through baptism just to prepare our community to baptize the people who are ready for baptism. And we've been talking about things like water and family. I think it's up here. Yeah, sacrament. Uh, today, this crazy word regeneration, which is probably, in my mind, this is the most difficult thing to communicate in 20 minutes for adults and children. Just so you know, I'm, I'm completely intimidated, but we're going to give it a shot, okay? Um, but today, <laughs> today in baptism, um, uh, regeneration uh, uh, our texts from the scripture remind us that in baptism, we are leaving one world and entering another. We die to an old way of seeing things or understanding things from human standards, and we come into a new world, a new way of seeing, of perceiving, a new reality according to God's standards. And this isn't just... a. a this is, this is probably the hardest thing to communicate today, so bear with me. It's not just an individual changing, but it's a reality that opens up. Yeah? There's a new world that began in Christ. It's a cosmic thing. It's not, it includes me, but it's not reduced to me. It involves me, but it isn't primarily about me. So today we proclaim the good news that in our baptism, we step into new creation. We're not just saved, but we're caught up in a cosmic salvation as ragamuffin rulers and regents in God's beautiful kingdom. We don't just get saved. We get a whole new story too. So uh, this past couple weeks have been a little nutso around the Tebby house. Uh, I was in Denver for a week. I was in Chicago all day Tuesday. I didn't sleep very well the night before I went to Chicago. I go to Yosemite for a once-in-a-lifetime backcountry backpacking trip in two weeks. We have baptisms coming up and prayer school. Uh, we're tr I'm trying to stay married. Like, there's all kinds of things happening. <laughs> there's all kinds of things happening in our family right now. Uh, and so uh, one of the things that uh, I, it's a constant struggle with me uh, whenever I get stressed out, my sleep goes downhill. Uh, either I'm too anxious to sleep or I, uh, I stay up too late because I, I, my, my margin for free time is small, and so I want to like extract every moment of amazingness from my free time. And so I end up staying up too late, uh, reading or watching things or playing things. I'm making right to that. So that makes like the next morning a bit stressful because I'm always sleeping a bit too long to have the rhythms and the habits and the patterns that our family likes. So <clears throat> this is the morning after um, Chicago. It was last Wednesday morning. Uh, I'd slept like three hours the night before. We got up at 5 a.m. that morning, drove to Chicago, was, were there for three hours, 
then came back, and then I, I had an evening meeting that night, and I just kind of collapsed in bed around 11.30 Tuesday night, and I'm just done. Three hours, four hours a night of sleep the night before, crazy long day, and I slept in super late, and I woke up late, not rested, like under the gun, trying to get ready for my life, you know, because life happens if, if you're not ready for it. And so, uh, you know, I get out of bed, I'm like, Looking at my watch, I've got like 30 minutes before the kids get on the bus, and I want to have some breakfast. And so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get in the shower. I get in the shower. It's crazy fast shower. And we have this issue right now with uh, our five-year-old Celeste. She loves to be around people, like just wants to be with us. Um, and and uh, you know, that's like when there's there's some age when like daddy getting in the shower honey, you can't be with me anymore. You know what I mean? And I'm pretty sure five is like past that age. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'm trying to like, 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 so I've got this, I, I wake up and I immediately have this time frame in my head, these jobs I have to do, and my five-year-old just wants to be with me. And uh, I'm having to like, I'm, like get her out of the bathroom so I can like get into the shower. Uh, and so anyway, I get out of the shower, uh, and she's not, in the, she's not in our actual bathroom, but I open the door in my towel, and she's sitting with all her baby dolls right in front of my dresser playing, and it's like, it's elaborate. When she plays, it's elaborate. There's like clothes everywhere, and, and books, and uh, tea time's happening. Uh, and and uh, I'm late. I'm trying to get dressed. I'm frustrated by everything, you know, uh, the time, oxygen, the sun, whatever. I'm just <laughs> frustrated by all of it. Um, and, and, and I'm trying to figure out, like, how to get Celeste out of my way, right? I don't be that, I don't be that dad, but, I, but I'm that dad. I want to get her out of my way so I can get some pants on and get ready to go, like, you know, be a dad and, like, have, you know, breakfast and see my kids onto the bus. But in this story, in this frame of reference... Dripping wet, late, tired, frustrated, anxious, with no time. Who is Celeste to me in that moment? Who is she? She's a problem, right? She's a problem to fix. She's an obstacle that's interfering with what I want. Right? She's an annoyance, a nuisance. Right? She's doing something wrong because I can't like actually get ready. And so then, uh, obviously, this is that's something that would be different if the kingdom of God came. I wouldn't think of my daughter as a nuisance. Can we get an amen? Yeah, right? But oftentimes our imagination is the problem is me and like my heart and my mind, and I have to get maybe saved, right? Like, I've got something that needs to happen to me. So sometimes we think of salvation as, like, I'm an issue, I have to change. Or, like, salvation is God eliminating all my problems. God just changes Celeste's play pattern so she plays somewhere <laughs> where daddy doesn't have to, like, try to get her out of the way. Or salvation is this future reality. So, you know, I see her and it's like, okay, God, well... You know, we live in a fallen world, and of course, I'm going to be grumpy, and she's going to be in my way. But one day, 
I'll fly away in glory. Oh, I'll fly away. Right? Oftentimes, too, we think, you know, if my daughter would just get saved, like, and then my wife would get saved, like, there would be like, there would be like this large enough gathering of a group of individuals who would be saved together, and then we could have this, something would be redeemed because we'd have the critical mass of saved souls together, and a choir of angels would burst out singing Nicole Nordeman, and we could all be this beautiful, little, precious community. Or Carmen. doesn't have to be Nicole Nordeman. But today, friends, we proclaim that in our baptism, it's not just about me. And it's not just about a collection of me's who are saved. But salvation, baptism, this regeneration we're talking about today is about the dawn of new creation. We're caught up in a cosmic, meaning like celestial, like universe, like, like even the dark matter, caught up in salvation. And we get caught up as ragamuffin rulers and regents in God's beautiful kingdom. We don't just get saved, but we get a new story too. I'm going to talk about two things before I do. The two things I'm going to talk about is that um, in our baptism, we renounce the world of darkness and we are anointed with oil to symbolize being sealed by the Holy Spirit. So we renounce the world of darkness and we're anointed with oil. But before I get there, before I get there, I want to talk about our text today in the New Testament. Our speaking to a reality we often miss, which is um, Jesus is announcing a kingdom and he says things like, this is in your midst, or this is close to you, or this is near, or this is within you. We have a hard time translating the verb, and so we do all kinds of, is it a verb? The, the, the grammatical uh, piece. And uh, we have a hard time translating it, and so we, we use a lot of words to describe it, right? Um, I'm thinking of, this, of the text with, the, with the, the legal scholar, and he says, Jesus, what are the, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, well, love God and love others. It's a gloss. It's not really what he says, but he says that. And then the, the legal scholar says, you've answered wisely. And, and, and Jesus says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus came announcing the real world, but people couldn't see it. They couldn't perceive it. He'd say things like, well, it's revealed to kids, but for you guys, you can't see it. Right? Or some people have ears to hear and eyes to see, but others don't. You guys, you, you don't know this whole theme in Scripture? This is what's happening with Nicodemus today. And this is the part of salvation I think we miss as Western 21st century individuals, which is that salvation just isn't about me and God. It is about that. But it's about what God is doing in the cosmos, the universe, if you will, that includes me and God, but transcends it. And Jesus is saying, it's right here. You can't perceive it because you don't have the eyes to see. You, you don't have access to it. Right? An illustration of this uh, reality is that uh, 
for, for centuries, millennia actually, uh, there, was, there, were, uh, there were no cultures that had a, a perception of the color blue. Did you know that? If, so, uh, anthropologists study cultures, and there's some anthropologists who study colors and cultures. I know it, sounds, it seems like such a niche subset, right? But it happens. And, and, and they, as they track like, you know, cultures from South America and cultures from Asia and cultures from Europe, what they find is, this is in China and Greece and Argentina and all these cultures, the last color to emerge in that culture is blue. Isn't that fascinating? And the reason why is, like, like we don't see that color name show up in any literature. And so they've, they've done studies, and they, find, they actually have found tribes, ancient tribes, that are, uh, like, tribes that are cut off from the rest of the world, that are alive today, like the Himba tribe in Namibia. They don't have a word for blue. And so if you show them something green and something blue next to each other, they can't distinguish them. Now, they've got tons of words for green, way more words for green than we do. But they don't have words for blue. The blue reality exists, right? Those are blue genes. But because there's no word for it, these people don't have access to that reality. You tracking with me? They can't name it. This is the kind of dynamic we're talking about. Blue is among them, but they don't have eyes to see. Blue is within reach. But they're very far from the kingdom of blue. Do you get it? This is the reality we're talking about today. Jesus came to proclaim a reality that people didn't have a word for. They couldn't see. They weren't too stupid to get it. It's not that this uh, Hamiba tribe is too stupid to understand blue. No, it's not, it's not an IQ problem. It's a access problem, perception problem. They needed a new mind or new eyes, new consciousness. Jesus might say they needed to be born again to see it. They need a beginner's mind of a new breakthrough, a new possibility. Today we proclaim that our baptism, we step into this new possibility. We're not, we're not simply saved but we're caught up in a cosmic salvation and we become ragamuffin rulers and regents in God's beautiful kingdom. We get a new story, not just say we get a new story of which blue, of which the kingdom of God is a part. So uh, baptism then, it symbolizes leaving one life for another. It's an individual reality, but it's more than that because baptism symbolizes, signifies, points towards this cosmic event, this shift that happens in the person and work of Jesus. So uh, the first way this happens is renouncing a kingdom of darkness. So in a couple weeks, uh, next week we're going to see the whole liturgy and we're going to talk about it. Uh, but uh, this, this is from the earliest baptism uh, liturgies or uh, services. We see this entire uh, process of renouncing the world of darkness. 
There's this awareness, there's this understanding that we're leaving one world in our baptism for another. And so, uh, in, in earliest times, this involved like exorcisms. Like, sometimes weeks of exorcisms. Like, it was a, it was a serious thing, right? Uh, so for our purposes, uh, we're going to have this giant horse trough. Um, and it's going to be somewhere like maybe here, probably. And we've got an orientation here. We probably will turn the horse trough this way because uh, this is west and this is east. Am I getting that right? I think I'm getting that right. Roughly. I'm going to bring a compass next week. We'll figure this out. But the reason why it's important is because in the earliest traditions, like the sun set in the west. So the west was symbolized as a place of darkness, right? This is why Jesus is, is prophesied as the morning star because the sun rises in the east, right? There's, a, there's light coming from the east. This is significant for he, the Hebrew worldview. And so in earliest traditions, a person would, would face west and renounce the kingdom of darkness, do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? I renounce them. Like I'm just facing it. In some, in some liturgies, they would actually spit. Right? Which, you know, if you're a Semitic people or Eastern, you know, it's, we might not spit here. Although my son likes to spit these days. And I'm not sure what that's about. We spit and we renounce. And then we turn east and we confess welcoming the kingdom of light. So for an adult, leaving one world, entering another, right? Your, your, your story changes, your perspective changes. You're naming what you're announcing and you're embracing a new reality. But parents, I'm baptizing a five-year-old. Five-year-old doesn't necessarily get like kingdom of darkness, Satan, spiritual forces, right? This is, this, this is why we have sponsors for our kids' baptism. Now, I was, I was raised Catholic. We had a godparents, same idea. But in our tradition, we have sponsors. If you want to have godparents too, go for it. Uh, but a sponsor is somebody who says, uh, I'm taking responsibility for this child and their formation in faith. The reason we do that, friends, is because as a Christian parent, <laughs> as a Christian parent, my salvation isn't just about me. My salvation is about this new world I'm called to inhabit, where I'm invited into a story, not of like me and Jesus being best friends, but the story, here's the story. I mentioned to you, we need to preach about this, the beginnings and endings of our story. The story is, Jesus has saved me and you and us so that he can entrust us with his authority and power so, he, so we can co-rule and reign with him for eternity. Did you know that? Jesus is looking to trust as many people as he possibly can with his power. So one way to talk about heaven is, heaven will be full of as many people who can bear Christ's authority as possible. That's who God is looking for. And so part of that is, is now this is, a, I, this is a scary word to use, get it? We get baggage here. But like taking, like putting all things under Christ's feet, taking all things captive to the light of Christ. What am I responsible for as a Christian? 
What do I have responsibility for? What do I have authority in? Well, I'm responsible to put that into the kingdom of light. I'm not just responsible for me, but I'm responsible for at least my uh, pet fish, my kids, right? My, the money I have to steward these things, right? So parents, we, we, we baptize our kids not as a forced conversion, but because we're caught up in the kingdom of light and we're putting all things into that light because we're responsible for our kids. Now, this makes sense, right? Like, my son, my kids are born in America as Tebbies. And we don't, like, there's no question in our minds that it, it wasn't oppressive for me to make my kids American citizens. Amen? They just are, because that's where they were born, right? And it's not oppressive or injurious for me that, that, that they use my, the, our last name, Tebby. I'm not violating their free will. <laughs> like, that's a part of the world into which they were born. Right? Well, my kids were also born into the kingdom of light because I bear the spirit as Christ's representative. And I'm, I'm charged with bringing all things into the light of Christ. So when I baptize my kids two weeks from now, it's a declaration of, Lord, I'm putting, I'm raising these kids in your kingdom of light renouncing the darkness because this isn't about just you and me. This is about new creation. There's a new story I'm caught up in. Why would I live in a new story where I have authority and tell my kids to live in a different story? You guys may have noticed that Deacon uh, was wearing a Seattle Seahawks t-shirt this morning. Did you notice that? Uh... The gates of hell may not prevail against the church, but they certainly are prevailing against my son's choice of NFL football teams to watch. So I raised my son as a Colts fan, right? Now, now DCFS isn't going to get called to me about this, right? Like, this is a normal thing, right? Not sure you're raising your kids as Cubs fans. It just is what we do, right? But at some point, at some point, the spiritual forces of evil, as encapsulated in Jim Mercer and Ryan Grigson, tanked the Colts, made the team awful, Deacon was probably three or four when the Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl. Here, uh, maybe five. And he remember, I remember him watching that and being enraptured by like Russell Wilson and the championship. And he got caught up in a different story. And so now he's a Seahawks fan. He'll tell you Colts are his second favorite team, but they're really a distant second. <laughs> and like today, we, uh, this, this year we broke down and bought Deacon a Seattle Seahawks shirt for his birthday. We've been resisting it, right? So even though we raise him in the kingdom of the Colts, he has to make a decision at some point of whether or not he's going to follow the Colts or not. And we honor that agency as well. Friends, this is, this is a metaphor for baptism. Because, I'm, because we're baptizing Celeste at five, Deacon at nine. Deacon's a little different, right? There's a, kind of a gray area there. We're responsible for our kids, putting them in the kingdom of light. But at some point, Deacon will say, I'm ready to be a Jesus follower for life. Or, or I want to buy the Seattle Seahawks t-shirt. And at that point, 
whatever that point is, there's agency given. You're responsible for you. Yeah? But until then, I'm going to raise my son and my daughter as a disciple. So we, are, we turn from one kingdom to another as a part of our co-regency and co-reigning with God. And we put all things under Christ's feet in our household. This is tough for us because often this has been abusive or oppressive. It's, it's an overpowering, tight-fisted grip. This is what dictators and tyrants do, right? But that's, that's not how Christ leads, not so among you. And so rather than just casting away our authority, let's redeem authority. That's something that lifts up and empowers rather than stifles and overpowers. Second, we are baptized in the Spirit. Okay, so regeneration is about leaving one world to the next and then also receiving the Spirit. This will be symbolized in a couple weeks uh, by uh, we're going to take oil and we're going to make us, after you, get, after you go in the water and out, uh, oil we put on, um, either Ben or I, we'll put oil on our thumb and we'll put a cross on your head. And we'll, uh, we'll say you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. And then everybody, y'all, y'all better say amen. It's a big deal. There might be even more we say. Right? Sean's little thing. Yeah, yeah. So this, uh, this is significant too, friends, because uh, um, we, often th- we often think the Holy Spirit is like, the Spirit lives in me. Uh, I have the Spirit. Um, but, but when we see salvation, not as this personal thing between me and God, but as a cosmic thing, not as just a private salvation, but as a cosmic story. We see all these passages in the New Testament that talk about having the Spirit are collective, corporate passages. Right? So that means, what that means is, when Paul's talking about the Spirit, that you are a dwelling place for God by the Spirit, I'm going to get all Greek word on you here. All right, so gird up your loins for this. It's y'all are a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Y'all are. Y'all are living stones. Right? Baptism then is about the Spirit dwelling. Like if you think about, so, so think about the metaphor of temple, right? You are living stones, a temple for God. If you've got one temple stone, sitting over here, would any person say, that's the temple? No, they'd say, well, that used to be the temple or that that was part of the temple or... There's a whole wall of the temple in Jerusalem right now, the Wailing Wall, right? You've seen this? There's no Jew alive that says the temple still exists. There are a collection of stones that used to be a part of the temple. But it's really clear to everybody that the temple no longer stands. In the same way, friends, when we mark you for, with oil of baptism, we're not just marking you that, you that you have the spirit, like you see the spirit. What we're saying is you are now in a new story, connected to Christ's church, and as a member of that body, you have the spirit. 
Do you see the difference? One is you're just a stone. The other is you're part of a building. One is you're just a finger. The other is you're a part of a body. You're connected. And as you're connected, you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Friends, today we proclaim that our baptism in it, we step into a new creation. We're not just saved, but we're caught up in a cosmic salvation. We become ragamuffin, like not perfect, but rulers and regents in God's beautiful kingdom. We don't just get a salvation, we get a new story as well. So I'm standing in my towel with, with Cece in my way. Time is running short. And a part of our discipleship process here at the table is we, we name moments called kairos moments. And kairos simply for us is like a portal into the new creation. It's a doorway from the world of darkness into the kingdom of light. And I, all I can describe is, as I stood there with a quiet, simmering irritation and annoyance, exhaustion, I had a kairos moment, and I saw my daughter in a new way. She went from, she went from indistinguishable from green to a whole new color. I was able to perceive this beautiful, creative girl who can't help but image our creative, wonderfully delighted, like, like she exudes wonder when she plays. So I actually, I, I stopped perceiving her from human standards. I might just preach 2 Corinthians 5 today. If we go long enough, it might just happen. I stopped perceiving her from human standards and started perceiving her in Christ, meaning in this new cosmic reality where everything changes. Being in Christ means Christ has summed up the whole cosmos in himself. He's putting all things under his feet, which means he's reigning and ruling his authority, which isn't an oppressive top-down, I'll crush you if you don't do what I say authority, but it's this bottom-up authority from below that lifts up and empowers and frees and liberates and sets loose in the world. And so in that moment, I, don't, I no longer regard CC from human standards. The old is gone and the new has come, and I see her as this beautiful, precious girl. Who is, who is imaging God and is a place for me to meet with God and enjoy him and, and appreciate deeply the gift she is. And so I just sat down on my towel. And I was late. I was late. Because in this new kingdom, being late doesn't matter as much as in the older kingdom. Friends, where do you need new eyes to see reality today? Not regarding things from human standards, but regenerated so that the entire world, the cosmos, is being summed up in Jesus and everything changes because of that. Where do you need to be born again? Where do you need to have, some traditions call this, a beginner's mind where you relearn everything? Where you, you know exactly what this is. This is a five-year-old disobeying and getting in your way. And then in the moment, in a moment, you don't know anything about her. You don't know what this is. All you know is it's beautiful and you're going to receive it. Friends, where, 
Where is new creation bursting out for you today? And God is inviting you to no longer see something from old human standards, but to see something from new. So for me, uh, it's in my family. It's with my kids. It's in my neighborhood. I've got so many relationships in my neighborhood right now. I'm a pastor of a church and I train. Listen, friends, part of my... Part of the way I pay the bills is I teach pastors how to start and create missional communities in their neighborhoods, and I can't stink and figure out how to do it in mine. And it's driving me nuts. And he knew eyes to see my neighborhood, our relationships, not regard them from worldly standards, but to have a new mind, to be born again. Here, right here. Friends, our our country needs Christians right now who can escape the blame and scapegoating rhetoric. Demonizing white supremacists, demonizing black criminals. Can we transcend that? Can we no longer look at things from human standards? Can we no longer say, if you care for poor people, you must be a Democrat? And if you care for personal responsibility, you must be a Republican. Can we break out of this binary and actually regard things from new creation? Behold, look. You can care about personal responsibility and poor people. You can do it. Because why? Because Jesus does. Where is God calling you today to respond to him? to be the church, to live in the kingdom of light, to be indwelled and empowered by the Spirit, to rule and reign with Christ today in a new story that changes who five-year-olds are and who white supremacists are. All of us. In your bulletin, friends, uh, there's a prayer. We're going to pray together. And it's just a, it's a prayer of thanksgiving and petition. Basic stuff. This is basic stuff, but we come back to the basics every week. God, thank you for the new creation all around us. Give me new eyes to see what? What do you need to see differently? Where, where are you regarding things by human standards? Where are you regarding things with human standards? And maybe you don't even know what a new creation perspective would be. That's okay. You're asking God for it. So let's take some time to pray. Using that phrase. And you say, Lord, in your mercy, and we will all agree with you as, as the dwelling uh, place for God's temple, God's presence. And we'll say, hear our prayer.